Well, good evening, all you boys and girls listening to this lonely podcast, maybe all three of you. But uh, if you have been following since day one, this might be Kenter at your own risk number 14, might be 13, might be 15, but it is definitely the October 8th edition of Kenter at your own risk, starring Kent, my illustrious go-getter, and Chris, the guy who's got the sniffles tonight. Ah, <laughs> oh, the sniffles. Yeah, you know, like, I, I mean, I know you, you haven't experienced this too much, but when you have a kid, you don't realize, like, how much children are just, like, bundles of germs. Like, as soon as they go to school, is like a fucking minefield. And they go, and they come home, and they come home with, like, 60,000 times the germs that you sent them with. And then all you do is, like, pray to not get sick, so you have to call out from work. Like, things my parents went through that I never even fucking realized. It, it, all right, so here's the thing. Like, when I was in school, and in, not so much in college, but a little bit in college, too, but especially in, like, high school and stuff, I was the kid that got sick all the fucking time. So I missed a ton of school because I was sick. Now that I'm, dude, like, this dude. lonely hermit... <laughs> You're I don't get to the sick. guy who missed the whole year of high school. <laughs> Did you really? If you add up all my absences, I missed oh. 180 days from freshman year to senior year. Dude, I'm. I've got to be. Ugh. I don't even know. I, I remember my one history teacher told me he was going to fail me because I missed too much. I was like, okay, that's fine. I can't help that I had the fucking flu. Like, I, I just, I've never understood this. And then, you know, like, I got a job working at an ARC, you know, about a decade ago and hopped right back into getting sick all the fucking time. So it's like, oh, yeah, constant exposure to kids and shit. Like, yeah, it's just, you're fucked as far as well, illness. It's like, to, to, to carry along with what you were just saying is, um, you know, I never realized really, like, how sickly I was growing up. I just assumed that that was like everybody. And for a big case, it was. But when I finally, even in the army, a lot of places I was stationed were either, you know, like war zones or still, you know, relatively on that like latitude. But uh, when I got out and I moved back down to Florida, dude, so much of, of like being sick when I was younger was just based on the allergies I had up in upstate New York with the trees and the pollen and the the mold and all that stuff. You know, I moved down somewhere where it's sunny and you don't have, you know, like, the seasons. And uh, as a result, you don't have as many deciduous trees with the pollen. Dude, it's night and day. And then my son went to school and I started, I'm like, Jesus Christ, buddy. But anyways, to uh, to get back in, we um, we are going to be discussing... Our top ten horror movies from the nineteen seventies. I have good news and bad news. All right, I we just might be discussing. <laughs> I learned that we're on episode sixteen, but well, at least so I learned it. That intro was completely okay. This is episode sixteen, guys. <laughs> Yay! Corrections. All right, nineteen seventies. Yo, I want to start off and just say that. All right. So, like, when I was looking through top 70s, um, I already had in my mind a few things. I forgot that Rosemary's Baby was not in the 70s. Yeah, that that movie's fucking old. Is it 63 or 68? 68. Okay, yeah, I remember it's one of the ones with the rounded back on the, on um, the number. I'll say this. If 
if we had done a list, I mean, this is going to be like the the fucking ultimate list someplace down the road. If we did something like 1976 to 1985, that 10 year stretch, I'm pretty sure that's almost entirely my top 10 horror list, except for like two movies. Like, all great horror was made within, like, from 1976 to 1985. Like, almost uh, all the greatest ones. There, there's some, some older ones that are classics. And I think there are some newer ones that, that fall, too. But, like... Oh, like, I know, like, for, for example, you, you love slashers. And that period of time was basically the creation of that entire genre. So, I mean, yeah, that's going to significantly skew stuff like that. There's also a big, like, I don't want to say the beginning, but, like, um, maybe, like, the demonic side of, like, supernatural horror. A lot of that, the really best ones came out in that period of time, too, so. Yeah, I mean, really what it doesn't cover is the cool supernatural stuff of the late 90s and 2000s, like The Ring and Conjuring. And it doesn't, you know, there, there's a few things it misses out on, like, it wouldn't hit Nightmare on Elm Street 3 for me, for instance. Or Candyman. Yeah. But by and large, like it hits like if if we said a top ten, I would say all ten of those would be in my top twenty fil- horror films. I think that's a fair assessment at the very least. I would say you're probably looking at about thirty to forty percent of my top ten. But I say if you look at like a top one hundred, you're probably looking at like maybe forty five to fifty. Yeah, a huge percentage of those like middle to later. Yeah, I, I would agree definitely with that. But uh, I had a lot of fun with this list. I, I, I knew I would, and then I I was very analytical. You, you know how I get with this stuff. But I didn't go crazy this time. I would like to do something a little bit different. I would like you to go first this time, because I have a feeling that we're going to be able to talk a lot more about yours. And then if I have anything different, it's only going to be maybe one or two. So it'll be easier to add on. Okay. Um. As usual, I, I have a quick, uh, small list of, and I, I'm serious, it is a small list of movies that I know were good, I either haven't seen them or they didn't make the top ten. Um, I've never seen the, the, the Stepford Wives from the 70s, but I saw the remake with uh, Nicole Kidman, and it, basically it's Get Out Before Get Out. The, uh, like, yeah, the, that version was much more of a comedy, especially because it was a Frank Oz movie, compared to the original but the concept was there right i mean that that was basically the concept but instead of you know using bet midler or matthew broderick you know christopher walken for the humor you know take something more more along the lines of like a village of the damned kind of feeling gotcha um i know i've seen invasion of the body snatchers but it was so long ago i couldn't put it on my list and it probably wouldn't have made my list but i remember liking it the you know there's been so many versions of that the only one i really remember iconically was the original just because it was the only one in black and white but between the the 70s version the 90s version um i forgot what the the other they made another one in the 90s that had the original name of the short story i think benjamin bratt was in it like all of those kind of just blur together for me but yeah like the i remember like jeff goldblum and donald sutherland were in the 70s one and it was good, but I don't remember, like, the detail. Like, I, I know I've sat down and watched it when I was younger, but I can't remember, like, 
the individual scenes, if you will. Right. Yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat as I remember seeing it a long time ago. Um, I also had when a stranger calls because everybody keeps telling me to watch it, and I'm gonna get to it this month. I I know I am. I know the premise of it. It sounds like it's something I'll enjoy, but I I couldn't put it on my list. But I I felt compelled to mention it at the very least. Um, a few movies that I have seen that I just I don't have a rating because I never reviewed them was Last House on the Left, which was that was Wes Craven's first big hit. If not his, that was that his first film or just his first hit? Do you know? Uh, I can look it up for you, but I think that might have just been, been his first big hit because I think he. Well, are we talking like things with him helming it, or just things that he worked on? Uh, helm. We'll go with helm. Because I th- I'm pretty sure he was around working on stuff before that. Okay. So, I mean, I, I you know the movie holds up a- adequately, but it's not. I mean, things have been done in that style to death and probably better at this point, I would say. Um, and while you're looking up, just in the same vein, I spit on your grave. Uh, yeah. yeah, I hear you. I feel where you're, where you're going there. He, uh, he had one writing credit before that, but yeah, it looks like that was actually his first on most of the roles that he's done throughout movie making. Okay. Um... The final one that I don't have a rating for, and I'm really mad at myself, is fucking Duel. With Fritz Weaver, Spielberg at the helm. Yep. I love that movie. It's so good, but I don't. I didn't have a rating, so I. I feel like if I had a rating, it would have hit my top ten. But yeah. That, that's actually in my top ten. Okay. Good. Yeah. Uh. Now. For movies I did have ring that just didn't cut it, I'm just going to toss out names here. Stuff we've already talked about ad nauseum, I feel, in some regard. Uh, the Tales from the Crypt uh, anthology, um, Romero's Dawn of the Dead, um, Shivers by Cronenberg, I think, um, which is underrated. Very underrated movie, in my opinion. Um, the Legend of Hell House with Roddy McDowell is a good. It's really kind of a dark fucking haunted house type movie. It's solid. Um, the Omen. I mean, the, the Omen's just fucking dated at this point. It's, it can be a slog to get through, I, I think. Um, Don't Look in the Basement. I really liked it, but I mean, I still only gave it a 5.9. And that was probably being generous. And finally, I had Eraserhead. Because... I don't know how to properly rate that fucking movie. Have you ever seen Eraserhead? Yeah, it's it's a weird one. Like, I, I I feel you there on like not knowing how to how to rate it. it it's more it, art than film. He um was that um who was that was that a was that Kubrick? Who, who the hell did that? No, no, no. Um, that. Wasn't David that Lynch? Lynch, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah dude, his, his stuff has always been weird, but, like, there was a lot of stuff in it. Like, between him and Cronenberg in the 70s, a lot of their shit was just fucking out there. It, you know, I, I, I will side, if I had to choose between the two, I'd take Cronenberg. I, I, I just really love a lot of the stuff that Cronenberg did in the 70s and 80s. Uh, 
Uh, and I never knew that I liked it until I, I don't know, the past five years, I slowly started watching more Cronenberg stuff, and I got really into it. Lynch's stuff is good, but it's not always horror. Um, yeah, he, he he's just like, um, if anything, I would just say he's mostly a surrealist. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I loved Mulholland Drive. That's probably a top 25 film for me from David Lynch. Just love it. But once again, it's, it's just that weird genre. I, I mean, Lynch almost has his own genre to himself, really, I, I feel. I've been, I've been told I need to go and um, sit down and, and watch, like, the whole Twin Peaks thing now that, you know, they came out with season three, you know, what, 20 years later? I never got around to watching Twin Peaks, and I, I want to, but I, I definitely have to be in the right mood to sit down and watch that, I think. I, I think it's just a requirement at this point for me. Um, yeah, how do you feel about The Omen? Is it too dated for you now? It's a classic. I mean, it's hard to look at a lot of stuff from the 70s, like, not as many movies from then were on the uh, the prints were original enough to be able to do like the high transfer copies. So I mean, a lot of them you you look at and you just you see the graininess and everything, and yeah, you know, no matter uh, how good the movie is, you know, like just the quality of the film stock kind of takes a shit on some of these things. I just really dislike the pacing. To be perfectly honest, like. Visually, I yeah, visually that, that also affects, but some of the pacing, you know, every decade the pacing picks up to to a point where sometimes it's uncomfortably fast nowadays, actually. But there's also such thing as too slow of a burn, and I always felt that The Omen was a little too slow for me. Personal opinion. Um, I had one final film that I don't know, I don't think you consider it horror- and if you do, it's probably number one, but I don't consider it horror. But I got to just shout out to Rocky Horror Picture Show. I, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't, that's not, it's not horror, yeah. but it's, it's horror-ish. And yeah. All right. We'll move on. Did you say Frank Inferter's a horror? <laughs> I mean, Ish? you've seen it. Yes, <laughs> obviously. Actually, I think I'm going as him for Halloween this year, so. That's pretty solid. Yeah. I was like, thanks, son. That's, uh, <laughs> well, yeah. I'm going to be rocking that at, that at the party without you this year. That'll be fun. Hopefully I don't get raped. Hopefully. All right. All right. Here's my top ten. There are one, two, three examples of movies that had the same score. So that's it. Um, number ten, I had The Hills Have Eyes, which was another Wes Craven movie. Um, I always wonder, how do you feel? Do you do you prefer the original versus the remake? I've never seen the remake. Okay, the the remake's similar, but I mean, they did what I always like in a remake. They they tried, they took it a little differently, and I appreciated that. And I never know which one I really like more, but I'm I usually try to give the edge to the original. Um, so I don't know. I wanted to make sure that got in there. Number nine, and this is where I'm going to take a lot of flack from the three people that may listen to us. I have a tie. I have Rabid, which is Cronenberg, and it's great. 
And I have John Carpenter's Halloween, which I know a lot of people are going to say I have rated too low. Yeah, I know this. I, I get where you're coming from. Like, it's it's the same thing with with the Omen. You know, they're like they're classics. They're held up as high examples of the the decade and the genres that they reside in, but they're kind of overplayed. Yeah, and uh, Halloween is the if you it, it all depends on what you want to compare them to. Because I mean, like people say it's the start of the slasher, but if you look, I mean, he's got a relatively low body count. The kills aren't, like, super creative like a lot of movies came out with later on. So, I mean, yeah, it's... You can give it points for originality and for uh, creating the genre, but then you look at what people have gone and done with it, and does it hold up, necessarily? There's a style to it, there's a sound to it, there's an idea behind it, and I have to give credit to all of that, and as a kid I loved it, but it is the single horror film that I feel people put way too high up on a fucking pedestal. And I'm just, I don't know. I, I don't, I, I think it's good. I, I gave it a 6.6. That's a good rating for me. It's just not the rating that, you know, y- you would think based on how everybody, I mean, everybody has such a fucking raging clue for Jamie Lee Curtis, the fucking scream queen. And I'm like, eh. She's kind of bland in that movie. She's way better, actually, in the sequel, in my opinion. So. Yeah, I think, like, Jimmy Lee was, was good, it, you know, in the horror movies, but I, th- I really think, like, it was her comedy chops that really made her a good actress. I you know, agree. Like, you look at something like Trading Places or True Lies, and, you know, like, compare that to, like, a lot of the roles she did in the iconic horror movies that she was in, where it was either, you know, just run around and scream, show a little TNA, or, you know, be the bad girl and show some TNA. <laughs> right. She was also in, what, Prob Night, right? Yeah. That movie wasn't that good. Um, have you seen Rabid? I have not. I, um, I was trying to remember which one it was, so I looked it up. I, I was thinking of The Brood, but that's not The Brood. <laughs> I've never seen The Brood, and it's long been on my list, and I, yeah. Uh, the Rabbit has, a t- has, if I remember correctly, a lot of TNA, has uh, one of the old school OGs, Marilyn Chambers, uh, who did like a lot of softcore porn, I want to say, back in the day. Yeah, um, that sounds about right. I was going to say, wasn't she... Uh... Yeah, she's actually not a bad actress at all, really. It, it, it's... It's sound Between this and Shivers, I, I definitely think it's like a really great Cronenberg double feature night if you want something that's got a little bit of sex appeal, but also kind of a, I don't want to say original idea, but the ideas were pretty solid and the execution was good. Um, so, uh, once again, Cronenberg fan. Uh, number eight. A film that we've discussed, I feel like the last podcast, perhaps, uh, Black Christmas. Um, I, th- yeah, I think we maybe two podcasts ago, and then like the last one, we we're like, "Holy shit, they're doing a remake!" And how did it skip us? Or how did we? Not yeah, with Cariellas. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which the trailer looks awesome. I really, I'm excited to see it. Um, uh, you really think so? Because like. 
I heard about it, I got excited, and then I watched the trailer, and I was like, this looks almost like the second most um, I-don't-need-a-man movie since, like, Maleficent. Uh, man, you just touched on a really sore subject for me. Yeah, I, I, I need a sidebar, just for, like, 30 seconds. I just finished Borderlands 3 this morning, and it was a great game, but my god, the... Girl power, women empowerment, whatever. 2019 could not have been more strong in in this game, and especially the ending. I was like, we we get it, but my god, they were basically just hitting us over the head with a fucking mallet with it, and that's not what Borderlands used to be about. So I was, I ha- I have to say that I was just slightly disappointed in how that aspect was handled, but it was a great game, highly recommended, will play over and over again. I just have to say that. It was... Anytime that the end credits is girl, this girl is on fire, whatever that Alicia Keys song is, I was like... I, I openly groaned. I, I, I did. Now you've got me interested about like what the hell happens in Borderlands 3, but... It, it's really good, though. I, I will say that. Um, but... Anyway, uh, you know, Black Christmas did a lot of things that, you know, we discussed this a while ago. Uh, you know, Halloween gets all the props, but Black Christmas did a lot of cool shit, too, and never gets the props. And they're kind of on equal footing in a lot of ways, only Black Christmas had some comedy in it, too. And, I don't know, the re- the newest remake has to be better than the first remake and probably won't reach the grounds of the first one. I don't, I, I don't think so, but... Someplace in between's okay, I guess. Uh, number seven, I had a tie. Um, I had Phantasm and Amityville Horror, and I really had no idea where I, where to put Phantasm because I don't have a number rating. So I was like, I'm just putting it here to be safe. It's somewhere in my top ten. I just don't know where. But Amityville Horror, uh, which for like. Like, the other thing, I was like, there's so many Amityvilles. Which one was that? Uh, the one with... Um, God, I keep on saying Josh Brolin. It's not Josh Brolin. James uh, Brolin? Yes, yes, yes. yes. Um, yeah, the the very first one, uh, him and Margot Kidder, 1979. Um, I, I remember my mom showing... This was, like, one of my original, like, five horror movies that I was allowed to see. And... Uh, it always stuck with me, and even now, like the pacing's a little slow as usual, but it has enough big scenes that you kind of forgive the slow pace, and it's like, oh, like for 1979, this was really cool uh, what they did with it. Um, I don't know, I, and the fact that I don't know, it, I wasn't like the first, but. Uh, it was one of the bigger, like, based on a true story type thing, wasn't it? You know, they say it. it like, I've been to the, the the house that they say, you know, inspired it. Um, it's on Long Island, by the way. Uh, but, you know, like, I think it's one of those things where it's like there's a grain of truth in the story, and then they fucking, you know, run with it and turn it into... Ghosts, Satan, whoever, possessing the the father and causing him to kill the family. Oh yeah, the movie blew blew this way out of proportion. Uh, 
I mean, I don't believe hardly any of the crap that happened, but, it, like, I don't know how many movies back in the day were, like, kind of, sort of, that whole based on a true story ideology. I don't, I don't really no, know. I mean, Texas Chainsaw. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they threw it in a, a amalgamation of, you know, uh, Ed Gain, and then, um, I forgot what the dude's name, but the, uh, the dude who, uh, Copper's Cove, Texas, who, uh, you know, cut people up with a chainsaw, merged right. them together into one person, and blah, voila, Leatherface and his family. I just want to throw out this interesting tidbit. Uh, the writer of the screenplay for Amityville Horror, his first name was Sandor. So, just... Dude, you always... You ever see, like, really interesting names like that, and you're like, what the fuck, why am I Chris? Uh, Absolutely. Like, like, I remember the, the lead singer for Third Eye Blind, his name, his first name was Arian. But not not like Aryan, like the Germanic, you know, Aryan race, but like A-R-I-O-N. I was like, that's a fuck. Who the fuck names their kid that? I I love original names. I will say this, and I do not want to take this to be taken racist, but my goodness, I do not. I like original names. I don't like names where it's just like, uh, an everyday name, and then you add L-E or L-A at the beginning of it because that's not original to me. La Chris? No. Just do Chris. LaMarcus? I can almost get on board with LaMarcus. But I still like Marcus better than LaMarcus. I just... I don't know. I think... Marcus we, Lee. Hmm? What about Marcus Lee? Marcus Lee. That's not bad. I think it's kind of crap, but whatever. <laughs> I mean, you, you can you can do different things. It's just oh, you can do whatever you want. Name, but the kid has to live with it afterwards. Like my aunt, couple of my aunts have nicknames where it's like a mishmash of two two aunts' names. So like I have a Nicolita for Nikki and Alita. I have an Aunt Janellen for Jenny and Helen. My ne- my niece is Terralina. I don't know where the hell that came from, but T T T A or T E T A R A H L E N A. Wow, that's a name that I've never heard of. Yeah, I was that's that's. I was, but you can't call it. You can't shorten it at all. It has to be Terralina. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. I just, you know, just want to get back to Phantasm for a second. I feel like we may have talked about this in the past, but Phantasm has to be one of those movies that's never going to be remade, right? I, you know, uh... Don Coscarelli's still alive, isn't he? Uh, he is just not Angus Scrim. Yeah, so they'll probably wait until he dies, and then whoever owns the studio rights will be like, oh, let's make it, remake it now that he's dead, you can't say no. I don't, I don't. My concern isn't even so much like that they do a bad job. I just don't think you can go back in that place in time and update it to a point where it's watchable. Even I, I think it'd be an unwatchable mess. Because I mean, Phantasm is a weird watch as it is. It would, it would be one of those situations where they're just using the name and they've had to change the story so much that why bother? Yeah, yeah. It, it really is a why bother. It's, or no bother, Winnie the Pooh. All right, 
my number six is Suspiria, which I know we're going to talk about. Oh, wait. No, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, it, Suspiria's on here for, for the reason of the music and the visual... Um, and the storyline's not bad. It's it's a really good collection of all three of those things coming together to make a very unique experience. And that's really all I'll say about it, because um, Chris doesn't have much to add to that, I'm sure. Wise ass. And uh, we'll move right along to my last uh, set of ties, number five. I have The Exorcist and the wicker man and in hindsight i feel like the wicker man's actually the better of the two movies but i gave him the same rating um did you even i I mean just curiosity sake is wicker man even in your top 10 it is not no okay i i had this gut feeling that it wasn't um i don't know I, i don't i don't dislike it like the remake but um uh, like I, a lot of people, I want to say have like put it on a pedestal since the Nicolas Cage one came out. Uh, it, it's a good movie, but it's not like great for me. I I did the smart thing. I'd never seen the Nick Cage one, so I decided to watch the original, then the Nick Cage one, and I'm really glad that I did because had I seen the Nick Cage one first, I don't think I would have even bothered with with the original. Um. As you know, I just like creepy fucking cult type shit. And so, I mean, for me, that worked great. Um, plus the singing, the, there's a lot of, you know, tits and stuff. It, it's a solid movie for me. Did you see Midsummer? No, it's... I don't even know if it's out on disc yet. I know it's out on digital, and I'm going to get to it this month because everybody keeps saying it's a great movie, great movie, great movie. Yeah, let me know what you think. I haven't seen it yet, but like when I was watching the trailers, I was like, "This this looks like an attempt to do like a real remake of The Wicker Man, you know, with yeah, its own yeah. new stuff." It has a good cast too. Um, it has a lot going for it. I'm I'm excited for it. Uh, yeah, Exorcist. I'm sure Exorcist has to be on your list somewhere. I think everybody can agree it's still. Like it still holds up pretty well, I think. I, it, you know, it, one of the things I like about it is the fact that it, it really shows like what you would go through, like how much a, a possession actually would put somebody through. Yeah, you know, there there are only a handful of movies that really, I think, show show it. You know, a lot of them are like, ah, nah, nah, and then as soon as the exorcism happens, you know, the person's like, oh, I'm fucking great, kind of shit. Yeah, it'd be a horribly, yeah, daunting task. Absolutely. It, also, the movie has a great cast. Like, I like Ellen Burt, Burstyn. Burstyn, yeah. And uh, I have, a, I'm a huge fan of Max von Sydow. So, uh, those two alone. I don't really know if I have an opinion on Linda Blair, but she did a really good job in this particular film. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she only did what a handful of things after that, but. You know, Reagan was a like one of the best fucked up kids in in the movies up until that point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
Yeah, still holds up today. So it held up so much so that they made a porno, I think, in the 90s called The Triple Exorcist, which I also reviewed at 9deuce.com. Just wanted to throw that out there for everybody. Okay, number four. The movie that, you know, is just better than Halloween, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, I don't understand, like... Well, I don't understand why Ch- Texas Chainsaw Massacre isn't in the slasher genre. Like, what's it do that doesn't qualify for slasher genre, in your opinion? I always thought it was in the slasher genre. Then why does Halloween get all this credit for being the, the OG in slasher? Uh, I don't know. Okay, see, that's my point. I, I'm glad that you played along with my <laughs> with my wording here. It's... I don't get it. Halloween gets all this credit for being like this original slasher, but Texas Chainsaw Massacre did it, I think, three years prior, and they... Such a good fucking film. It's creepy. There are some legit points that are still fucked up. The hitchhiker scene is still fucked up. Uh, I don't know. To me, the graininess helps. Um, I also like the remake, so... I don't know. I, I, I just prefer this. Uh, th- this is the highest rated uh, movie of its type on my 70s list. Number three. And I was surprised that this was as high as it was. I had Carrie. It's a really okay. well-made movie. It is. And uh, you, can, you can definitely tell when like somebody who doesn't typically do horror does horror and they want to do a good job at it like i mean i i guess like a lot of de palma's movies have been thrillers you know kind of verging on that genre but you know you could definitely and between him and stephen king it, you know it's one of the best conversions that they've done of a stephen king movie too so and it's the only version of carrie that's good the i don't even like I mean, because there's three versions of Carrie plus Carrie 2, The Rage, which also was a fucking joke. What, there was this one. There was the one with Chloe Moretz. What was the other one? There was one in 2002. Uh, Christ, I don't even remember who was in it at this point. I think it was 2002. Uh, yeah, 2002. It was a TV movie. It may have actually been on fucking Lifetime of all things. Uh, Angela Bettis, who I love, and Patricia Clarkson, who I like, are the, are the two main stars in it. But it just it lacked a lot. There was a lot to be desired with it. So it's a shame. Angela Bettis is a great talent. Still love her in May, but not a good effort. So uh, I don't know. How do you feel about the Chloe version? It was uh, it was okay. It wasn't great. It was average. Yeah, it wasn't a it wasn't a bad movie. It just wasn't you know like a lot of Stephen King things when they try to oh we're gonna remake it and stay truer to the book and then kind of lose some of what made the original scary. I you know the the thing that none of them ever got right aside from the original is the f- opening thing like. Carrie in the girls' locker room. And I'm not saying this just for the TNA. I'm saying that they fucking nailed that point 
like they did such a good job with just that scene alone that you're hooked and wondering, you know, how this poor girl's going to deal with things. I, I don't know. I, I thought the op- opening was really, really good. I don't know if it was the opening scene. It was in the very beginning, though, at the very least. My memory's a little hazy. Yeah. Yeah, it was towards the beginning. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right, number two, Jaws. Nobody's surprised we've talked about Jaws f- I feel like on almost every fucking podcast because somehow it wriggles its way into most of these top ten because it's a really well-made movie. I think the only thing that could top us talking about Jaws and Home Alone would be to make a movie with Kevin McAllister slash Jigsaw riding a shark. Oh my. That would be... Or, that, or, or like there's a a booby trap in like the temple where his body is layered that his little uh, cult of survivors have made and it's surrounded by sharks with lasers. Ooh. Oh, well, I mean, now you added lasers. Yes. <laughs> Actually, you know, speaking of Macaulay Culkin, he just, like, narrated some video on The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, like, this past week. I was like, what connection does Macaulay Culkin have to The Rock? Like, it... It was just one of those silly things. It made it definitely made me laugh. So I don't know. Random, I know. But did did you watch the new Chappelle special? No, I have not. <laughs> he does a section about Michael Jackson and Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> oh, he's like he's like I don't believe I don't believe any of those people were molested by Michael Jackson because look at Macaulay Culkin said he wasn't molested by Michael Jackson and he's like I'm not a child molester but if there's one little kid I would have fucked it would have been Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> There you go. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's great. That that's on Netflix, right? The Chappelle one. Yeah, that was the uh, the brand new. One. I was died when, <laughs> when I heard that. I was like, well, yeah, that's uh, it's pretty funny. Yeah. All right. Finally, I feel this was obvious all along, and I don't know. Maybe it's not so obvious, but The Shining, because it's still one of the greatest films in general, made. There's... Oh, shit, The Shining was 1980. I'm glad I didn't throw that on my list. <laughs> wow. wow. So, I'm glad that we're recording this moment my stupidity. Well, you are the one who has editing power, so you can always fix that. Oh, no, no. It's it's far more entertaining to leave this uh, bit of uh, idiocy in. All right, so... Just to recap, Jaws, my number one movie from the 70s. Does that, does that move Phantasm or? Uh, yeah, everything just kind of jumps up a <laughs> notch. And uh, the new number 10 movie is Tales from the Crypt, the British anthology movie. Can I just slink away into uh, the corner now and let you do your top 10? No. 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 Okay. But I'm not going to hold you to it. I mean, I understand where you're coming from. Truthfully, that to me feels like a 70s movie. It feels like the cap, uh, uh, like the, the the cap of the 1970s. But when the fuck did it? I mean, I know it came out in 1980. It came out in June. Uh, if it came out like well, in January, I, mean, I would make they it. They were hard. probably filming it in 79 oh, because okay. of the winter. So, I mean, there you go. They I, filmed it in the 70s. 
I mean, God only knows. I don't even know how long they freaking filmed that movie because, I mean, it's famously, like, <laughs> one of the longer, uh, what is it, most takes for a scene or whatever. Yeah, but it, I, they only filmed for, like, 40 days, if I remember correctly, somewhere around there. Oh, my gosh. So, so yeah. So, but, yeah, it would have had to have been in the, the like, the winter of 79 or 78, depending upon, you know, how long post-production took. Yeah. Well, the feeling post-production took place in a much like closer to the filming time frame back then than it does now. Yeah. Since uh, you know, if you needed to do reshoots, you know, you couldn't digitally alter shit. Well, on the plus side, I will say this: the day that we do the top ten horror films from the eighties, spoiler alert: The Shining will probably be that number one for me. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm uh, I'm really surprised that one of mine like didn't even show up on your list. Like some of the other ones, like most of them, we we mirror. Some of them were flip flopped, which I thought was thought was funny. So. All right, take it. <laughs> All right. Well, my number ten was the Omen, and it's my number ten for a lot of the reasons that it, you know it made your honorable mention. It didn't make your top ten. You know the pacing, the but you know it's. Like I like I think a lot of my seventies movies, I saw them when I was younger. So you have to go back to like the first time you saw that that feeling, you know, and like the kind of the reveal, the the building dread and the you know the reveal, and then you know Damien basically winning at the end. Wow, were were you a kid when you first saw it? Yeah, I want to say probably somewhere between like six to nine ten-ish you know back back when like hbo was one of the easiest places to to go to access like movies yeah i mean i i know it wasn't like something that my family brought home on video but i do remember seeing it when i was a relatively young kid see i didn't see until my 20s um so i I think that may actually have a lot to do with our placements quite frankly it, may, it would I mean, make I, sense. I would not like, like we were saying that uh, maybe two, three podcasts ago. Like, you look at look at Jaws. You know, it's a great movie. You know, it is definitely considered a horror movie at the time. But you have like a kid come out and watch another, and be like, "What the fuck is this shit? It's not scary." It, it might whereas, be entertaining to a kid, but it's not yeah. scary. No. Whereas, like in nineteen seventy-seven, was seventy-seven, right? We'll go seventy-seven or seventy-eight. One of those two. Yeah. When it came out, I mean, it scared people. Nobody went in the fucking water for an entire summer. Like oh, seventy-five. So okay, so yeah, yeah, but I mean, Jesus, like, think about that. Nobody fucking went swimming at the beach for an entire summer because of a movie. Right. That that phenomenon still has never been matched. The closest thing was Blair Witch, and that really didn't stop a whole lot of people from camping. Yeah. So I mean. You know, like, definitely when you see something changes your perspective of it. And, and again, like, a lot of horror movies, like, I specifically don't go back and rewatch them because I don't want to lose, you know... You don't uh, want to tarnish your image from your childhood? Yeah, like, one of, one of the first things I did when Netflix originally came out and they used to do the discs in addition to the streaming was I was like, oh, you know what, let me go back. I'm, I got on a big 80s kick. 
and so I went back and watched a lot of the the 80s movies, you know, from when I was growing up and see which one. And like, dude, there were so many of them that were just like favorites when I was growing up and I watch them now I'm like holy shit this movie was horrible like Beastmaster I loved that movie when I was a fucking kid going back and watching it like 25 years later yep it's fucking piece of shit what, what what makes you cringe more going back and watching and this is kind of on topic going back and watching cartoons that you really enjoyed as a kid or video games that you really enjoyed as a kid which one's more cringe worthy for you cartoons oh definitely cartoons because I mean uh like, so many of the gameplay things that we just take for granted now came about in the, the time that we were a kid. Like, I mean, shit. Uh, when I was born, I think really think, like, Pong and maybe, like, just one or two arcade games were the only things out there. And, you know, like, so I grew up... And you're only, like... What year were you born? 1980, the same year as The Shining. Okay, so you're only a year younger than me. So you went through the same thing. You know, we, we saw the evolution of, you know, shit from, like, two-bit shit in the arcade to a little more advanced to home systems to Nintendo to, you know, so... Yeah, I grew up so, on Atari. I mean, that yeah, was it. Atari, Atari. My grandparents had, like, a ColecoVision instead of an Atari. So, I mean, you know, even going back to, like, the old computers, like the... Uh, the Commodore and the Amiga and shit, you know, there's, there's still value in going back and seeing what was able to be done. But like watching, like I, there was a TV show, a cartoon on that I used to watch every day called Galaxy Rangers that, you know, when I was a kid, it was seemed awesome. And I went back and I got the whole thing from Netflix and I'm like, God, this is so hard to sit through and watch. I'll tell you, I'll tell, I'll give you two cartoons that I went back and tried rewatching uh, painfully so. Uh, one I knew was going to be terrible because I knew it was terrible then. But the Legend of Zelda <laughs> cartoon, I oh, have yeah. the DVD. Goodness. But G.I. Joe was probably my favorite cartoon for at least a few years. And as a kid, there was one question I always had, and to this day I still have it. All these expert like military personnel and nobody dies? Yeah, I mean, nobody can shoot anything. Ever like you, you see a hundred bullets flying, nobody gets got though. Just kind of weird. By I mean, I mean, certain like part of part of what made certain TV shows work and certain didn't were like the plot lines. Some of them had them, some of them didn't. Because I mean, the majority of cartoons when we were growing up were basically just to sell toys, and it worked. It worked like so well. He-Man, G.I. Joe, Transformers, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, you know, all that shit. So. And, and even, like, movies, they've turned it into a cartoon just to sell the damn toys, like Ghostbusters. Yep, yep. Uh, so, anyways, digressing back to my list, because I fucking forgot what we were doing for a second. Yeah. Um, my number nine was Carrie. Like, I like it as a movie. I just like for me, the, my top or top ranks of of any kind of list are going to be the things that scared me the most, and I just don't think it's like it's a it's a horror movie, but I don't think it's a scary movie. If you know what I mean? Yeah, I I, I get you. Uh, my number eight, uh, which I can I can understand you leaving it off, but um, I think it's a really good version of a nihilistic uh version pre-Anne Rice of Vampires, but Salem's Lot. 
Yeah, I'm not a fan of it. I I knew I, I assumed that you were gonna have it on there. I, I just I wasn't a fan of it. Like it's not I kind of like the remake too, but uh what I mean one of the things I like about the story is just that like it's it, you're not saving everybody, like ninety percent of the town dies, a whole bunch of little kids die, fucking you know, some of the main characters die. Yeah, and even though they end up getting the dude in the end, you know, it's not like a happy ending. That that I think more than anything else epitomizes the seventies horror for me. It was very nihilist, nihilistic. You know, there was maybe like the first jaunt decade where like you were much more likely to have everybody lose in a horror movie than you were to, you know, have somebody alive and happy at the end. Yeah. I I, I feel I, I honestly feel that someday I'm going to watch Salem's Lot and it's finally going to click for me and I'm going to like it because there are l- quite a few movies that require repeat viewing before I finally like, oh yeah, I finally like it. Uh, I, I, like, I like some of the themes. I like the story. I like like how they did the vampire. Like He's like one of the creepy looking like German fangy long ear hair coming out of his ear kind of vampires rather than like the other vampire that they were doing in the seventies, like the sexy Frank Langella, uh, Dracula kind of you know thing going on, right? Or even even Blackula, who was you know relatively you know a sex symbol compared to you know dude like this. Blackula was just on sale this past weekend, and I really wanted to pull the trigger, but I did not. It was five dollars on Voodoo. Okay. <laughs> I, I I really love that movie. I know. I remember. Uh, I remember. <laughs> shit, I forgot when you went over it, but didn't you go over like two or three of them? Uh was it was it last year or the year before in your? I think it was last year that I did it. Yeah, and I had a blast with it. I, I really did. It, it was a really it, it, cool. It's idea. one of those black exploitation movies that gets a, a reputation, but it was actually a decent movie in its own right you know is there just the fact that it gets tarnished by association with the rest of the genre oh absolutely it 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 really stands out uh as actually a decent film absolutely then uh my number six was the texas chainsaw massacre uh i don't really think i have anything to add to this like Part of the reason probably for me that it's my number six is because I saw it much later than I saw my number four. Which I... Or maybe... Wait, hold on. Do I have 11 on my list? I might have 11 movies on my list. Oh, maybe I'm not the only idiot. (laughs) Yay. Hold on. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Nope. No, I have 10. Uh, Oh, you know what? Because I skipped seven. Texas Chainsaw is number seven for me. I just... Sorry. My numbers are screwed up on my, my written thing but it is my next one in terms of moving up my list all right uh yeah i was older when i saw this for the first time so that might be part of what distinguished it for me compared to the other one i think i saw it like when i was probably in that i don't know 11 to 13 range and my mom my mom really didn't want to rent it for me and like i remember um I definitely saw it years after I saw summer school for the first time. Okay, so yeah, because you remember like the whole like they did their 
the two dudes did their dissertation on Texas Chainsaw Massacre for to graduate in that movie. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's it's uh, fond memories for me. I, although I stupidly rented like part one, two, and three, and my goodness, they the sequels, especially the original sequels, the the latter ver- variations of Texas Chainsaw, um, some of the sequels aren't bad, but like Texas Chainsaw Two is really fucking bad. The original one with like Bill Mosley in it, terrible. Did, to- did Toby Hooper do all of them? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, oh, he did one and two. Oh, he did do number two. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right, so one of the interesting things uh, about those movies, and I found this out when I was reading um, Bruce Campbell's uh, biography, was um, I believe... Uh, in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, there is a poster on a wall in one of the rooms, and it's a it's a Wes Craven movie. So it was almost like they were suggesting that, like, if you thought this movie was scary, uh, watch this one, because you know this this is just a fiction. That's just a fictional fucking thing for our characters in this. And so Wes Craven went, and the next movie he did, he threw up a Texas Chainsaw Massacre poster, and um in his movie. I think that might have been The Hills Have Eyes. Did they do the same thing with Wes and uh, Sam Raimi? So, so when Sam Raimi made Evil Dead, he was like, oh, well, let's one-up both of them. And he threw up the uh, the Wes Craven poster in uh, Evil Dead. You know, and he, they, Bruce Campbell was like saying, Sam was like saying, you know, if you thought that was scary, watch this one. So I believe um, that, like one of Wes's later movies, he threw up an Evil Dead poster in the wall. It might have actually been Nightmare on Elm Street. I believe it was. Now, quick question. What was the name of this autobiography that you read? Uh, if Chins Could Kill. Uh, I have an autographed copy of Hail to the Chin. I have I have If Chins Could Kill, Hail to the Chin, and If Chins Could Kill Part 2. But none of them have autographs. But I do have an autographed postcard that I got from being a Bruce Campbell fan club member on his webpage back when the internet was first like really kicking off in the mid 90s. Oh, that's pretty sweet. Yes, it's in a shrine. <laughs> Fair enough. I just got uh un- I say this unfortunately, like I just got like a week or two ago autographed picture of Sid Haig which yeah, you know. was that the where you put up on Facebook? Yeah, 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 yeah. Unfortunately, but I did see that. That was pretty cool, though. Yeah. Now, my number six, I like. I've seen it once, and I remember it scaring the shit out of me when I was a kid. But Duel. Yeah, like, I haven't ever reseen it, so I don't know if it holds up. But like, I remember the whole concept fucking scared me, and. Like, they've reused the concept a couple of times in, in different movies that didn't try to be just a, a remake, which I enjoyed. Joyride like, um, and Jeepers Creepers, right? Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking of, yeah. And both of them ended up being decent movies. So, I mean, obviously something had to be there. But, um, yeah, I do remember, like, I thought it was funny. Like, I didn't know anybody in the movie, but I knew Spielberg's name at the time because shit. He was already famous by the time 
I was old enough to start really watching movies. So, like... I, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know if it would hold up now, but I remember it scared the shit out of me when I was a kid, so... It's not scary, but the movie still holds up, I think, incredibly well, like, as the proverbial cat and mouse chase. And I also want to say, in Wolf Creek 2, they also kind of have a, a little bit of duel going on. Uh, I mean, you, you see... You, I, I want to say there's even a, a few others, but, like, that was, as far as I know, the original, like, chasing on the road, kind, like, kind of idea, and it was just executed really well. Yeah, um, like, if I remember correctly, too, like, don't you really never get an idea of who the fucking dude is? I don't believe that you do. I, it's been It's been a few years for me. Um... But yeah, I mean, Jesus, that was 71. It was only rated PG, which is also interesting to me. Oh, yeah. Looking at, like, some of the ratings on these movies, and then you look at, like, what gets a 13 now, you're like, holy shit. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, well, the rating system was just a little different back then, obviously. Yeah. Well, or it's a little different now. I mean, shit, we can have fucking violence and swearing, but you show a tit and it fucking turns into a fucking arc. Yeah, yeah. Two tits, I guess. <laughs> uh, so then, my number five would be Phantasm. I don't know what it is about it, but I just really fucking dug that movie. Like, it's weird. It's fucking out there. Like, like, what, how did you describe it? Like, it's the only movie you, you'd have where you could see, like, a, an old dude throwing his balls at a kid's face. And <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, those words may have come out of my mouth. <laughs> it's true, though. <laughs> like, even... I don't like a lot of movies that do the gimmicky, like, fake ending, but, like, they do it, like, three times, and I was okay with that. Uh, it's good in... You know, even the, the sequels kind of try to hold true to the, to the ideology, and I, I have to say... Phantasm Five, which was the most recent one, is actually like one of the saddest horror movies I have ever seen in my life. Like, I don't know how many horror movies I can sit there and be like, "Oh, I'm really sad." No, that movie was absolutely fucking sad. If you followed the whole Phantasm journey, wow. Yeah, weird, right? Yeah. Also, I want to know what came first. The Cuisinarts in Phantasm or, like, the kitchen brand Cuisinart? Oh, kitchen brand. Yeah. Yes. I'm just curious how you knew that so fast. Because uh, Cuisinart is actually a French phrase that you know, they've been using in cuisine for hundreds of years. Okay. And uh, eventually somebody was like, oh, we can use that to make a kitchen appliance and sound uh, highfalutin. All right. Well, that bums me out. I was kind of hoping for Phantasm to be the right answer. I didn't realize there was nine years between Phantasm 1 and Phantasm 2. I don't know, like, if... I don't even know if Phantasm made much money, like... <sighs> it's It's just a weird movie. I don't know. My other question, though, is, like, back in the day... Did you have to make a lot of money to be a successful movie? I 
don't know if so much as successful, but I mean, you had to make the money to get the sequel. I feel right. But I mean, we like the the fact that was that, like the blockbusters didn't show up into the seventies. You know, between between Jaws and then Star Wars, that was that really created the whole idea of you know a summer blockbuster. True. You, you didn't use used to have movies, you know, hanging out in the theater for like weeks or months or anything. So, I I just I'm I'm looking on IMDb and I see this thing on the side and there's a new Phantasm collection coming out this month with the replica Cuisinart sphere. Interesting. It looks pretty awesome, actually. It's probably gonna be like fucking a hundred dollars or some shit, and I'll never get it, but. Just saying. Gotcha. All right. So then, my my next one, and again, this probably is a lot more based upon what I saw, but uh, Halloween. So I think we basically had a vice versa for Halloween and Texas Chainsaw on our list. Uh, let's see. Oh, I had Halloween at nine and Texas at four. Okay, so seven and four. Yeah. Yeah. Instead. Pretty close. And and again, like. We saw them in the the opposite version order for each other, you know. So that, I think that makes a lot of uh, uh, a, a good explanation for why we had them in that order. Wait, Ooh, you saw TCM first? No, I saw TCM after I saw Halloween. So I did Halloween I. Ha- Halloween may have been my first horror movie I ever saw. Oh really? Okay. Well, then maybe then ignore everything I just said. And, I had a Kent. It creeped the fuck out of me as a kid. It really did. And like, I, I really wasn't sure why my mom showed it to me, but I absolutely loved it as a kid. <laughs> Kent, see this? This, this is what happens, huh? <laughs> absolutely, this is what happens, and, and it's okay. Like, I, I'm f- eternally grateful for for her showing me these movies back then. <laughs> All right, so my number three is Jaws. Uh, I don't think I can say anything that you haven't already said when we covered it. Yeah, something that we haven't covered. I had, you know, like three years from now, we'll do a podcast and actually have something original to say about Jaws. It might happen. Well, I've been, I've been holding off talking about Jaws of Revenge where the shark screams. But um, anyways. Uh, Is that two or three? That was the revenge. That was four. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. Uh, my number two is The Exorcist. And uh, I won't, yeah, I won't cover that because we've we've gone over that ad nauseum multiple times. And my number one, which was what surprised me, you completely leaving off your list, even your honorable mentions, was Alien. Motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. wow. I, I looked at two lists. I was like, well, they had to have covered everything. They did not include fucking Alien. I'm not going to lie, like, it's probably the scariest one out of the series, but, like, after I saw that for the first time, I want to say for, like, eight years, every night, I slept up with at least the sheets pulled over my mouth so a face hugger couldn't jump on my face while I was sleeping. Uh, that's good strategy. Yeah. It, that, I didn't, I didn't get a chance to watch The Nightmare on Elm Streets when I was a kid, so they didn't fuck me up as much. But, like, out of all the scary movies that I saw when I was a kid, none of them fucked me up as much as Alien did. 
I wanted to be like, thanks, Mom, for giving me nightmares for like a good eight to ten years. Okay. Okay. I need to quickly update my top ten list and say that Alien comes in tied at number two with Jaws. I had it tied with Jaws. That's how highly I hold Alien. I will accept that. Oh, wait, no. It'd be tied at number one because The Shining doesn't exist in the 70s. <laughs> okay. So, Alien, I completely forgot my number one movie in, in theory. So, I'm having a really good day. <laughs> we both are. <laughs> oh, dude, I, I, I won't lie. Like, I was busy doing something and all of a sudden I got your text. I was like, oh, shit, I fucking forgot about Cat. <laughs> my bad. That's Internet, right. you, can, you can forget that. I didn't say that. <laughs> The worst but part is I, I actually uh, spent time doing this list, and I still just... Dude, I, I literally watched a fucking movie and made my list yesterday, and then I forgot we were doing it tonight. <laughs> that is an impressive... Uh, I don't even know what you call that. That is impressive. Well, there you go, Kenters. That is our top ten lists of the best 70s horror movies. <laughs> and not and, uh, 1980 movies. And we agreed. Our number one was the same. So <laughs> we rarely get that. And uh, oh no, I, I don't, probably about 50% of the time we've been the same. And the other 50% we've been completely different. So half and half? Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd say a good half and half. Um, do you, we should probably just reveal the top 10 for next podcasts in this podcast. So uh, if you follow us monthly, we, we might be taking like a slightly two-month break month one month off do it in two months if you follow these just whenever you get around to downloading them then uh yeah number 18 is going to be uh the top 10 best holiday themed horror movies all the holidays out there including arbor day i i'm curious and see, right now, I, I don't have any idea exactly what's going to go on there because I think once I do some research, I'm going to a lot of movies that are in my head are going to get off the list. I'm just curious if Jack Frost actually makes my top ten. I'm hoping it does, <laughs> but I'm not sure if it will. But he's chilling and killing is one of the greatest things on the cover of a horror movie, as far as I'm concerned. It definitely sticks out in my mind. Because it had the it had the lenticular cover, like it was a can't miss movie if you were into horror and you went to video stores back in the day. I mean, like one of the things back in the day was like I don't know. Does it really seem to me like movies came out a lot slower back then? Yeah. Not, not even not even just like you know like from release to video, but like. Maybe we made less movies over the course because, like now, it just like I don't think you could do a video store because you would have to buy so many fucking titles just to be able to keep up with everything. Yeah, you'd almost have to have either a huge store or genre-specific stores to because nowadays, in theory, you can make a film on your fucking phone because the cameras are so good on our phones that they outdo any camera technology we've had. You know, like. A real a real person we've had access to aside from like bill, like millionaires, like our phone is just as good as like video cameras from I don't know ten years ago even. I was I was talking with some people about technology. I mean, and look at like Blade Runner, like 
that movie was supposed to take place in 2017 and they had flying cars and they had replicants and they had you know that whole fucking test that you could do to see who was an android and not but they didn't have a fucking cell phone like we have they didn't have the internet like we have you know like so many people thought like the advances that we would see would be in transportation and you know like robots and automation and kind of stuff like that but look at like what we've done with medicine and communication and that kind of technology and it's kind of amazing one thing that you know they did predict pretty well was like the whole idea of video chat like video phone calls we basically have that now Um, oh yeah yeah i mean look at like think about like aliens you know, like when Paul Reiser calls her on the phone and people were like, oh my god, you can see him in the phone. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now you can do that in the palm of your hand. Yes. Yeah, it's... It really is interesting what... But you know what? I I just saw a fucking robot do like this whole acrobatic routine, like Olympic style, and I'm like, I hope I'm dead before our robot overlords just completely brutalize us. I'm just hoping for that. Well, I mean, we got to worry because robots hate old people, and we're getting there. Uh, yeah, we are. We are slowly, slowly. Yeah, I'm a little bit more than a year away from being forty, which isn't old. Like I still don't consider. I don't even know what old is anymore. Two weeks, and I hit forty. Like, do you consider, like, I know 40 is a milestone and yet it's considerable for something, but I don't consider it old. I don't know. What do it, you, shit's, shit's changed. Everything's like when, just different. When we were young, 40 was old. Yeah. Well, 40, 40's always been middle aged, but I mean, you know, when you were, when you're fucking 15, you know, thinking about somebody 40, you're know, like, that person's fucking old. But, um, I mean, hey, we just live longer. Like, back then, 65, 70, you know, that's a good life. Now, you fucking put 90, 100. My, my great-grandfather died a couple of years ago. And we figured out that, because he lied about, his parents lied about how old he was to keep him out of being drafted in World War One. So we figured he had to be between 104 and 112 when he died. Wow. You know, I mean, that the 112 would have been like the extreme outlier for what they would have been able to get away with with the lie. Or, you know, at a minimum, he would have been 104. Jesus. That, yeah. Yeah. That's pretty old. I mean, that's a fucking long time to live. Like, I'm like, Jesus Christ. Fucking. I don't know if I have any relatives that managed to get to 80, so I'd like to think that my uh, my family history has, has a brass ring that probably I'm not going to reach because I'm a fat ass and I like food too much. But I'm okay with that. But someday somebody in my family will reach the 80. I, I have to have faith in that. I, I hope it's you. But if it's not, it's been nice to know. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, just bury me with a box of Slim Jims. I'm good. We, you know what? Wait. Before we end this, I just want to say my displeasure this fucking year in that I have not been able to find any fucking Count Chocula. Been able to find fucking Frankenberry. Been able to find Booberry. Can't fucking find Count Chocula. And would you like? Would you like me to send you some for Christmas? Because oh my god, yes. I've seen, I've seen Count Chocula down here, but I haven't seen any Frankenberry or Blueberry. Yeah, I'll, I'll, 
I'll pay for the fucking shipping. I, I don't care. I just want some Count Chocula. I will, next time I go grocery shopping, I will specifically take a look for you. Thank you. Uh, like I, I seriously have been wanting to post on Facebook, like asking people. Now, like that's a really weird thing to post, and I was like, "Is it though coming from me?" I don't, you know. Yeah. All right. Well, on that note, <laughs> <laughs> we are going to wrap up our Cantor at Your Own Risk number sixteen. Yes. And uh, conclude our top ten nineteen seventies horror movies. If you're following us immediately, we'll be back with uh, our discussion of our movies this month, or movie and two movies that just showed up randomly this month. Uh, if you're not following us immediately, then we'll see you at uh, Can't Touch Your Own Risk number 17. I just want to throw in, if obviously you're listening to this, you're a film fan, check out, I have this new feature on the website, ninedeuce.com slash blogs slash film dash review dash archive slash I know that's a lot so if you just go to com and hover over blogs and go film reviews you'll see film review archive it's an archive of like I don't know 500 plus films that have been reviewed I felt this was a good place to mention that it probably is uh, like the perfect venue to mention it yeah Thank you. You're welcome. All right, guys. I will see you later. Chris out.